Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. It's stuff that you're not supposed to carry. Today he wants a total surrender. A total surrender. There's people that are discouraged. There's people that are frustrated. God's been just for the last several months been speaking about dry bones. And I'm going to read a few scriptures to you. Proverbs, 20, um, Proverbs 17, 22 says, A joyful heart is a good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries the bones. Ezekiel 37, 11, he said, then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are a whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost, and we are indeed cut off. I speak to those dry bones right now in Jesus' name that you will live in Jesus' mighty name. I speak wholeness. I speak hopelessness. I mean, I speak hope to arise in your people, God, right now in Jesus' name. God, I come against the discouragement. I speak encouragement over this body in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. He speaks in Ezekiel. He talks about the water rising. You know, when it's ankle deep, we're comfortable. And we have control. God wants us to let go of the control because he wants to take us in a new place. He's not going to take us in an old place. He's doing new things. And so he wants us to take and let go. He wants us to let go. He wants us to trust him. Trust has been very hard for me. And God has put me in a place where all I can do is trust him. He is trustworthy. He is faithful. He wants us to go higher in the river. He wants the river to start flowing in this place. And I speak against any debris that's stopping that river in Jesus' name. I call that river to come forth in Jesus' mighty name. God, that we would flow in that river like never before. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And God, that we would completely let go, God. God, that we would allow you to put us on the potter's wheel. And that we wouldn't jump off because it hurts, God. But God, we would allow you to bring healing and wholeness. The first of the year I saw, I saw freedom, man, for this body. I saw chains on people, and they're already broken, but people are just staying in the chains. We need to step out. Step out of those chains because they're no longer attached. In Jesus' name, God, we just break off anything that's stopping us from coming higher with you, God. In the name. 
name of Jesus, God, I come against the enemy's assignments and trying to stop us from your destiny, God. I call forth the destiny of every person in here to come forth in Jesus' name. I speak arise and shine for the glory of the Lord is upon you in Jesus' mighty name. Arise up, church. Arise up, church. Walk in the destiny that God has for you. No more turning back. No more turning back. Let's press forward. Let's not run from God. And I'm speaking that right here. Because, you know, I take 10 steps forward and then it seems like I take 20 back. And I need to ask you guys to forgive me because I've not been allowing that river to flow like it should. And I ask for forgiveness because it's not for me. It's for the body. And each one of you have a river inside of you. And it's not for you. It's for the body of Christ. Father, I just right now, I just lift up every person that's here, God. I pray, God, that there would be such a total surrender to you, Father. God, that we would come into a place that we know we can trust you, God. That we know that, God, even as the river comes up higher, God, that we can just take your hand and you will help us. God is opening the gate for that river <laughs> oh lord <laughs> oh jesus we thank you god we thank you for what you're going to do we thank you for the winds of the spirit god coming forth in this place we thank you god for that river coming up higher god have your way, God. We say your kingdom come, God. Your will be done on earth, God, as it is in heaven. We can start living like we're in heaven right now. We don't have to wait till we get there because we're seated with Christ. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Allow God to take you higher. Allow him to take you higher. Stop focusing on other things. Let bitterness, let unforgiveness go in Jesus' name. Let it go because it's just the enemy trying to keep your focus somewhere where it's not supposed to be. The focus is supposed to be upon Jesus, not upon other people, not upon your problems, not upon anything other than Jesus. In Isaiah, it says that if you will keep your mind upon Jesus, then he will keep you in perfect peace. Are you in perfect peace? Are you in perfect peace? If not, your focus is where it shouldn't be. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we give you praise. We give you honor. God, you're so worthy of our praise. You're so worthy of our praise, God. You've done mighty things for us, God. You've got, done so much for us, God. Oh, we want to bless you. We want to honor you, God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty name.
church, you need to stand up right now as an act of obedience. Everybody stand. Are you just observers of that word, or are you going to receive it right now? I receive it. I receive it. So those chains have been broken by the mighty name of Jesus right now as a prophetic act in obedience to receive this word and not just to observe it. I step out of those chains. I step out of those chains right now. They're broken. We do not have a hope so faith. We have a no so faith. And God says those chains are broken. They're broken. The past does not belong to you anymore. It was nailed on the cross. Christ gave you a new past. He didn't say, I came to fix it. He came to destroy that past, and he gave you a new past. It doesn't belong to you anymore. Even if that past was last week. I think some of you need to dance during this song. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is that once again because we abide in you because we cling to you that we have stayed on the path that you have desired for us and that even when we thought we were losing our minds the enemy would try its attacks that we've done exactly what you want us to do there's a song it's called love does and a few of the lines talk about how we move forward, how we grasp at you and never let go, how we do our prayer, how we save souls, and nobody sees but loved us. One of the lines that has grabbed me over and over this week was, yes, you can go home. 
but maybe you don't go home. Maybe you are still here, still doing the same thing, still fighting the same battles. We are meant to build your kingdom here. And over the last several years, it has dawned on me after the building downtown was that Gordon built his kingdom here. We are building our kingdom here. And Lord, I proclaim again, just as we did at YHOP Friday night, that this is your place. And we move forward. And Lord, bless all those that are with us today and those that couldn't be here because we're all fighting the same battle to bring your kingdom here. Thank you for all that you're going to do. The Lord's been tugging at my heart to speak this over the body and a reminder. He said not to be the target, be the weapon, because he gave us the power and authority over the enemy. And we need to use it because today not everybody's using it. We need to use it as the body of Christ because the God, the God is always with us and he doesn't want us to uh, you know, fall flat on our face because we're not using the power and authority the Bible tells us to use. If we can uh, do it 2,000 years ago, it's for today not and now. We need to use it. We're supposed to be able to heal the sick and just put our hands on people that need it because healing people is a salvation they'll know that the power of God is with you and with us so right now Lord I lift up the body of Christ to you Lord we ask you to just fill it up with the peace and love that that conquers fear because we are you're in us and we should be able to do everything that you tell us to do Lord be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and just do it. Step up in faith and He'll use you as a mighty vessel as you're obedient to what He has for you. In Jesus' name I pray and thank you that you could be doing that to us every day, Lord, as we are step out in faith and be obedient to what you have for us. In Jesus', in Jesus name I pray and thank you. Amen. Good morning. Friday, I was walking, and uh, this is a testimony, by the way, a praise for the Lord. And uh, I hit a big old patch of ice that was disguised by snow. Next thing I knew, I was on the ground. And I twisted my foot, and I was hobbling all that day. And uh, one of the miracles for my day was the fact that a friend of mine saw me and picked me up and took me to my destination because I didn't have my car. And uh, that night, I spent the whole day hobbling, and uh, it's kind of a, an odd praise, but a neat one. I was out of bed getting ready to go potty and about 3 o'clock in the morning. I stopped for a second, adjusted my pajamas, and 
the next step I took was was without pain. My lower half just kind of tingled. I didn't know what that was, but my next step was completely without pain. The odd part is I still have discoloration and swelling, but where'd the pain go? He took mm. it away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> He's healed. Uh, I just want to honor um, Joy and Danny and Allie who do a wonderful job with the children and serve us sacrificially. And you've done this for so long. You are such a huge blessing to this body. I want to thank all of you that volunteered too because <clears throat> we all want to come and rest and receive, truly. But when you come and serve very early every Sunday faithfully, you're serving us and you're serving the Lord. It means so much. So Tasha, thank you for Stepping out in obedience today. See, what it takes for the flow to increase is for people to step into the flow. And then somebody steps in and then there's more. And then somebody else steps in and there's more. And <clears throat> we just want to get that flow going. And, and learn to, to flow. Because, uh, you know, the, there are times when we'll, we'll just not get to the message, and, and that's fine. Uh, I'm, I'm okay with that. But I, I do feel like I have a message for today uh, that the Lord has given me. <clears throat> and it's, it's about seeking to be a person of one thing. Uh, that's, that's what we're called to be. Uh, we're, we're called to be people of one thing, and Jesus is the one thing. And it's, it's our, our connection to Him. It's having Him on us and in us and coming out of us that is what the world needs. And uh, some of us went to <clears throat> Vineyard of the Rockies Friday night and uh, saw Robbie Dawkins, and that was uh, very encouraging. He, he said a couple things that <clears throat> I think need to be repeated here. Uh, I've talked about John Wimber, and we know a lot about John Wimber and his ministry. Uh, and when when he would do meetings where where there would be a lot of healings, uh, he would always have a word of knowledge that that he would start with, and and that that would be that thing of entering into the flow of of the Holy Spirit, 
and then more and more just happens as as we get into that flow. Well, Robbie virtually never has a word of knowledge. He he shared this with us, and uh, it it kind of blew me away. He just wants to pray for anybody who is sick. And I, I'm going to share two really quick stories. Uh, he and his family um, <clears throat> had been invited to the vineyard in uh, Bern, Switzerland, uh, where Martin Buhlmann's son is now the pastor. Uh, it's, that's significant to me because Martin is the overseer of the vineyard in Europe, or at least he was until recently. I'm not sure if he still is. But he, he's the one who prophesied over me back in... 99 about the harvest in in Cheyenne so anyway Robbie and his family were going there but they stopped off in Rome and they went to the Vatican and some of you know about Robbie and he's he's just an evangelist uh, <clears throat> who just walks in a, a power ministry and he has raised up his whole family to to be like him. So they're in Vatican Square, and a, a mother and son come in, but he's in a wheelchair. And so Robbie's youngest son just runs. <laughs> he says, "A boy in a wheelchair, he's mine." <laughs> And so he runs, and and the rest of the brothers are are running after him. And Robbie, he's he's in last place because Robbie's a rather large man these days. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they get there, and uh, <clears throat> and the mother is kind of worried because she she has seen people like this, and she's afraid they're going to rip him out of the wheelchair and and hurt him. And so they reassure her that that's not going to happen. And uh, <clears throat> so the youngest, since he he called it, he he got to pray. So he he asked the boy, you know, can can we pray for you? And Jesus will heal you right now. And Wimber said, we spell faith R I S K. So what Robbie has learned, and his family follows in his footsteps is if we can increase the risk factor, that's like increasing the faith factor. <clears throat> so they they saw that there, there were a lot of people kind of looking to see what was happening because I'm sure it was a bit of a scene with his whole family running over this guy and talking to him and... So his youngest son says, hey, does anybody want to see a miracle? <laughs> and, and he did this because he was afraid that the boy wouldn't be healed. So he raised the risk factor. <laughs> Different way of thinking, right? <laughs> I mean, we would think, uh, you know, uh, could, could, I, could I maybe? you. I, I, I know it, it doesn't always work, but 
So anyway, uh, <clears throat> they gathered a crowd around this guy. And uh, bottom line, I'll, I'll cut to the chase. The, after praying for the boy three times, he started to feel a, a little bit of tingling. And, and he was paralyzed from the waist down. He had injured his spinal column, so he had no feeling whatsoever from the waist down. He started to feel a little bit of tingling on top of one of his feet. After Robbie's son, 15-year-old son, prayed for him six times, he said, I think I can walk. So <laughs> they, they helped him up out of the wheelchair, and he, he walked along with them. Just like the, the guy that Peter and John met on, on the way to the temple, you know, they commanded him to rise up and, and take up his mat and walk. But if you remember the details of the story, they helped him up. And then after walking a little bit, the, <clears throat> the kid said, I, I think I want to try it on my own. And there was a guy in the crowd who had uh, one of these crutches with a, a brace for your arm. So they gave him one of those, and he started walking by himself. First time since he was two years old. That's when his spinal cord injury happened. And... Within just a few minutes, he, he was trotting along in Vatican Square with Robbie's kids. And he told his mom, you can go ahead and go home and take the wheelchair. <laughs> I'm going to hang out with these guys today. <laughs> yeah. So the other story that I'm going to tell is probably going to hit you harder. And that's the intent here. So this is later that day in the evening. They're, they're in Rome, so they're at a restaurant having pizza. <clears throat> and, you know, the whole family's busy chowing down on their Italian pizza. And a blind guy walks in. And Robbie notices that nobody else at the table noticed. So he says, blind guy just walked in. He's mine. <laughs> <laughs> so Robbie r walks over to him and uh, says, you know, are, are you blind? And the guy has dark glasses and a white cane. And <laughs> yeah, I'm blind. <laughs> Are, so are you completely blind? Can can you see it all? No, completely blind. So Robbie says, well, could I pray for you and Jesus will heal you right now? And the guy says, well, sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> why, why not? Uh, so... 
Robbie prays for the guy, asks him you know, how he's doing, can he see anything. Prays for him three times, no change, can't, can't see anything. So Robbie says, well, can, can I pray for you one more, one more time? And the guy says, mm, no, that's okay. Uh, but can I buy you guys dinner? I, you know, I can hear you probably have a family here. I'd, I'd like to buy you guys dinner. And, and Robbie is like, are you kidding me? I just fail miserably uh-huh. at, at praying for you. And, and you want to buy my family dinner? I, I'd like to buy you dinner. <clears throat> and the guy says, no, I've, I've lived in this city all my life. And I think there are a lot of people in, in this city who, who believe like you believe. But here I am, an old man, and nobody has ever prayed for me. In my whole life, nobody's ever offered. If they believe, do they really believe this stuff? And and this is Robbie's experience, because I mean, many people that he, he prays for get healed, but a lot don't. And and he's never had anybody ever get upset at not being healed. And he says, you know, don't don't worry about that messing up their theology because unbelievers don't have theology. <laughs> they, 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 they don't. Um, but the man had <clears throat> had experienced love from God, and uh, you know I'm I'm challenged. I'm I'm committed. I'm I'm going out there, and and I'm going to do this stuff, and I'm going to sow out there so we can reap more in here. And I want all of you to join me. I don't want most of you to join me. I want all of you to join me. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is at work in you and me. And that's the same spirit that's at work in Robbie. And I I don't want anybody from Cheyenne to be able to say what that blind man in Rome said. That man, I lived here all my life. Nobody ever prayed for me or told me Jesus loved me. I I don't want that on me. <laughs> so <clears throat> I know it's not ten thirty. I think we forgot to change the clock over there.
<laughs> uh, I, I can probably give an abbreviated version of, of this message, but it can... Uh, <clears throat> Give us what we need to know, I think. You know, David, he wrote Psalm 27, and he, he talked about the one thing that he desired. And, and David was uh, a man after God's own heart. We know that. We know David went through a lot of difficulty to to get to the place of his calling. But David also set up a different tabernacle. There was the tabernacle of Moses that Moses wrote about, and we have all the details of, of how that was built and how God gave him the blueprints on Mount Sinai and you know we know everything about it we we know very little about the tabernacle of David other than that there were hundreds of singers and musicians that ministered to the Lord and prayed 24/7 back with that technology in in a tent with with the ark of the covenant uh, <clears throat> the thing is that, that david he got revelation that he wasn't really entitled to get the lord shared with him things that were far in the future he he operated way beyond what was supposed to be available at his time and and how how did how did that happen and i think psalm 27 gives us some some of the key and and I'll just share a little bit of that I'll start in verse 4 one thing have I asked of the Lord and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. <laughs> hear, O Israel, or hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. 
But the first couple verses there, one thing have I asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He knew something. He had seen something. He had seen the beauty of the Lord for himself. I, I think he had seen the heavenly worship that John wrote about in Revelation 4 and 5. I, I think that's, that's the only way he could have come up with the idea for the tabernacle of David. Because we're not given any detail. So if David could operate beyond what was supposed to be available in his generation, what's to stop us from getting revelation that, that's beyond what's known in our generation, what is, what is generally revealed in our generation? It's, it's the glory of God to hide a matter and the glory of a king to search it out. And we're called to be a nation of priests, a nation of kings before the Lord to reign with the king of kings. Anyway, that's just to, to stir some things up. <clears throat> David had fixed his gaze on the Lord, his inward gaze, the gaze of his heart. And, and that is what he was saying in, in Psalm 27. One thing have I asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after. So David was, was a man of one thing. Now, he was also a man of many things. <laughs> he was a king. He was a military commander. Uh, he was a worshiper. He, he was a, a maker of instruments. So I, I don't want us to get the idea that to be a person of one thing is we, we can't do anything else. That, that's not the idea the the idea of being a person of one thing is is there is one preeminent thing and everything else just pales in in comparison to that one thing and mary of bethany was another person of one thing and, and this is the, the other key passage, but uh, <clears throat> if you remember, there's, there's a couple stories of Jesus being anointed. One, when he's in a Pharisee's house, and it's, it's a sinful woman who anoints his feet and wipes his feet with, with her hair. The other one, is in Bethany, 
where Mary takes her inheritance, quite probably. Uh, uh, a flask of very expensive perfume. You know, to, to put a value on it in, in our day, our, our dollars, probably somewhere from $20,000 to $50,000. And she knew somehow that Jesus was going to die. Jesus had told his disciples, but they... They really didn't get it. Uh, they they weren't understanding what what he was saying. But they're they're having this this meal, uh, and Mary breaks out the flask. Well, let's just read it in in John chapter twelve. Six days before the Passover. Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, which comes from the mountains of the Himalayas. If, if you can even imagine. Uh, <laughs> the, the rarity of, of this stuff. Uh, <clears throat> and she poured it on Jesus. His feet and wiped his feet with her hair and, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objective. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. <laughs> a little aside there from John. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And and see this, this beautiful act? Mary jumped the gun. She... She didn't want to give it to Jesus after he was dead. She had to let him enjoy it. The last days of his life. Because you, you just, you have to know that wherever Jesus went, until he was crucified, everybody was looking around saying, man, who smells like that? 
and it was Jesus because it was such an act of, of worship. And how, how was it that Mary knew what the disciples didn't, that Jesus was about to die? And, and we, we find that answer in Luke chapter 10. As Mary had learned to treasure being with Jesus. And this is the story in Luke 10, starting in verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve you? (laughs) Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Ah, now... Now that's a really strong statement that Jesus makes to Martha. Only one thing is necessary. And and some commentators really get this wrong. Cuz they 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 think Jesus was telling Martha, you know, you you don't have to make a feast, just make one thing and, and it'll be enough. I'll, I'll be happy. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> That's right. So, one thing is necessary and, and different translations have different nuances in, in the phrase phraseology there of of that statement, one thing is necessary. But that that Greek word that is translated to necessary in English is the word for uh, a person's occupation, Uh, that which you do for for work, Or, or also what is needed, or what is necessary. So, I think that gives us a little better, a little deeper understanding than just the words, one thing is necessary. There's, there's one thing to which we should be occupied. And, and I might even... Uh, clarify that a little bit. There's there's one thing to which we are to be preoccupied. And only one thing. 
And, and I think that is what Jesus was saying. Uh, there's, there's only one thing with which you should be preoccupied. And, and I, I think a lot of people have a, a misunderstanding about Mary's role here in, in this little story. Because what, what she was doing is, is she was serving, and, and she, she was doing a good thing. She was making a meal, presumably for Jesus and his disciples, uh, which, which would be a lot of work. But Mary was preoccupied with the serving. And that's what Jesus was saying to her. Mary, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing you should be preoccupied with. And that's me. That's what Jesus was saying. Because, see, Mary, or Martha... She could have done all the serving and still been occupied with Jesus. Rather than wanting to... See, here, here's where I think Mary went wrong and, and where we go wrong a, a lot is because... You know, I'll, I will admit, <clears throat> I'm not nearly as much of a person of one thing as I want to be. I, and, you know, I've, I've had a few days working on this message and I've had time to repent and I'm, I'm seeking to be a person of one thing. But naturally, I am a person of many things. And as such, easily distracted from the one thing. <laughs> and, you know, the, there's, there's a book that, that I think is, is key to understanding this story. Because this, this is, to me, it's, it's one of the key stories of, of the whole New Testament. Uh, about being preoccupied or occupied first <laughs> with with Jesus and that book is brother lawrence's book practicing the presence of god because he learned how to live his life in such a way as to be always preoccupied or occupied primarily with being in God's presence. Whether he was mopping the floor, whether he was on his knees scrubbing the floor with, with a brush, whether he was washing dishes or preparing meals, 
and and yes, I mean he he was uh, one of those guys living living in a not a convent but a monastery. Yeah, for kind of a convent for men. <clears throat> but he learned, and there's <clears throat> there there are others who who have learned to do this. Um, Frank Laubach is is another guy uh, who was twentieth century missionary to Indonesia. Uh, he's got a couple books out where he he learned the secret that brother Lawrence learned and uh there's there's another good book by uh Ed or uh it's not Ed Boyd it's uh Greg Boyd um <clears throat> that's sort of a takeoff on brother Lawrence's practicing the presence of God that is is very good uh, helpful at uh, focusing your your inward gaze somewhere other than your surroundings, because <laughs> that really is is the key to being a person of one thing. Is your your inward gaze is toward the Lord, and you know a few years ago I gave a message and and. Part of it was resetting the home page of, of your your brain, your mind, where where you just naturally go when you're not occupied with something else. That's that's what I'm talking about. That your inward gaze, where where does that go when it's in default mode? And and the key to being a person of one thing is is that Jesus be the focus of our inward gaze, of, of our heart. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I've been uh, pursuing this with, with some... Um, rigor, I guess, <laughs> for the last year and a half or so and and feel like I'm making some progress, but I'm I'm still not where where I want to be. Uh, my my inward gaze still is not always where I want it to be. But it it takes a pursuit. It it, it takes a, a a purposeful seeking and and that's what David was was saying in Psalm twenty seven. You know, Lord you, you told me to seek you, so my heart said I will seek you. <laughs> and and so <clears throat> You know, it's it's about seeking after the beauty of the Lord. It's it's about seeking 
what's on his heart. Uh, making the things that are a priority to him a priority to us. And, you know, we, one of the things that I have found is, uh, you know, I am easily distracted. And if, if I can't, in, in my times of seeking the Lord, if, if I can't get my soul to a place of peace, I'm, I'm just not going to get anywhere. Uh, you know, one one of the key concepts of vineyard worship in in the from the very beginning was that when when we start to feel the manifest presence of God, when we start to sense that, that's not the time to rev things up. <laughs> that's the time to dial down and. And since, okay, God, if you're here, you probably want to do something, What what is it that you want to do? And so we we learn that, we need to learn that in, in our own personal seeking of the Lord is, is to be able to dial down the, the noise <laughs> of our own soul to to the place where where we can actually connect our heart to the Lord. And you know that that doesn't happen in a day or a week or a month learning how to do that. Cuz you know most of us we have decades of of other habits that that we're trying to break. <laughs> and and trying to quiet our soul is in in our culture it, it it's not a natural thing cuz we we just want to be occupied with something 24 hours a day and if if the payoff isn't immediate or or at least in in the next 5 minutes then we we want to move on to something else and and that's just not how how this stuff works because <laughs> uh, the, the Lord wants us to value him and the most valuable thing that we have is our time and 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 that's where the rubber meets the road uh, you know the <clears throat> the greatest commandment is is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you know, we we hear that. <laughs> but I, I have to say that I think there's cognitive dissonance going on when when we hear the greatest commandment. And, and what cognitive dissonance is, it's, it's when either you hear something that's so familiar, your, your brain just kind of writes it off as, oh yeah, I know that. 
or it's something that's so far off our grid that our brain just doesn't know what to do with it, so it, it throws it in the recycle bin of, of the brain. So for us, it's <clears throat> the former. Uh, you know, we, we hear that, we say, oh yeah, I know that. I, okay, so if the greatest commandment the one that encompasses the law and the prophets is that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why aren't you doing it? Why am I not doing it? Because, you know, I'm, I'm here to tell you uh, we, we don't. We we are distracted uh, by many things. <laughs> we, we are Martha. <laughs> Gabe, Phil, Daniel, Jay, you are... <laughs> we, we, have, we have Martha, okay? <laughs> yeah, Jesus... Jesus said we're we're anxious and troubled about many things but only one thing is needed only one thing is necessary so <clears throat> yeah that that thing about the great commandment you know how how do we respond to that we, we respond to it by saying, oh yeah, I know that. <laughs> okay, that's, that's not a very good answer. Uh, I'm doing that. That also is not a very good answer. Because God could say, oh really? <laughs> and, and he very well may if, if you ask him about that. Uh, <clears throat> I think this is probably our our subconscious answer. Um, I know that, but it's unattainable, and it's just not practical. I, I mean, if 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 we look at our lifestyle in a in a critical way, I, that probably is our answer. I know what the great commandment is, but it it's not practical. Not not for this week. I I, I may be able to schedule some things next week <laughs> and and do better. Uh, but see that it's it's not about us doing things. It's it's about us knowing someone. And, and that was the thing with Mary of Bethany. You know, she knew Jesus was about to die and she wanted to bless him in, in the most extravagant, foolish, uh, 
prodigal, that's a, really the, the meaning of prodigal, spendthrift, way uh, possible. And, and that, was, that was the way for her. So that the last few days of, of Jesus' life, he, he would smell like heaven. So, <clears throat> how the only way that we can make progress in our pursuit, our keeping of the greatest commandment, is by positioning ourselves before the presence of the Lord and and encountering Him, experiencing His love more in, in a personal way and asking him for the capacity to love him more because it, it takes God to love God. We love him because he first loved us. And the more we truly come to know his love, then we will be able to love him more. But but see, there's <clears throat> there's a community aspect to this this whole thing. Uh, in in the West, we we greatly overvalue our individual relationship with God, which I mean is vitally important. And and. Maybe what I'm saying by overvaluing it is we, we terribly undervalue the community aspect of being a member of a body and, and part of a community. Because, see, the things that I'm talking about, pursuing God, being a person of one thing, it was never meant for that to be possible for us to do on our own. It, it was meant to be possible in, in the midst of a community seeking to be a, a people of one thing. So that we can help one another along on, on this journey. And, and we can uh, encourage one another, uh, correct one another, uh, speak the word of the Lord to one another and yeah love one another yeah and and see in in the communities of the east the middle east and and east and and africa uh south america community is is a huge And, and those, those honor-shame cultures, uh, they, they possibly undervalue the individual aspect of our relationship with God for the sake of the community aspect. So we need something from them and they need something from us. The Lord's called us 
to get somewhere that we can't get by ourselves. <laughs> and that doesn't sit well with us in the West because <laughs> we, we, we don't want to be held back by others, but that's the way God set this thing up. It's, it's like climbing a mountain <clears throat> with a group of people. You can only go as fast as the slowest person. And, and so, <laughs> what do you do with the slowest person? You, you say, <laughs> we'll, we'll pick you up on the way back. <laughs> or, or do you help them along somehow? Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, those those are things for us to to ponder. I think because I I, I don't think <clears throat> that that we can really be a person of one thing outside of being part of a people of one thing. And, and I want to call us to be a people of one thing. So we, we must <laughs> seek to live a preoccupied life together. Preoccupied with heaven with Jesus. And, <clears throat> you know, maybe the best way to understand the, the one thing that Jesus said was, was necessary is, is to go back to John 15 and, and look at abiding, remaining, living, in the vine. Because if, if we do that, Jesus promised that, that if we would abide in the vine, we would bear much fruit. But then the very next statement is, apart from me, you can do nothing. But most of us don't believe that. We think we... We can certainly do something. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to be honest here, right? I mean, I, I know most pastors. I, we, we all think we can do something. So who's wrong? Jesus or us? <laughs> That's a no-brainer. So we we seek to abide, and that's that's exactly what Jesus was saying. It wasn't just sitting at Jesus' feet. Okay, that's not the one thing. <laughs> the one thing is remaining connected to Him at all times. And being preoccupied with that connection 
such that other things don't take over. So, can I pray for us? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I, I think we, we probably need to repent together. So I'll probably lead us through that since I've been through it already. Um, Jesus, we, we thank you for your amazing wisdom. Uh, we can only imagine what it would have been like to just sit at your feet and to be preoccupied with you and, and to hear you and understand you. Lord, I, I ask you to forgive us for not being about the one thing, but being about many things. I ask, Lord, that you would make up make us a people of one thing. And that you would be the one thing. <clears throat> that you would teach us how to live a, a preoccupied life. Where you are the preoccupation. And Lord, enable us to love you more. Lord, refocus our inward gaze to be upon you. As Lord, this is the way to the rivers of living water. So let the river flow. For your glory. Amen. Mm.